Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's your fuck it, I'll work for assassins number? 500,000. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people could give that to you? <laughs> Half a million. Half a million. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Take Line. It's another great show and a congratulations, of course, to the Golden State Warriors who defeated the Boston Celtics in six mostly boring games. Uh, It was a party in San Francisco on Monday as the celebration parade cut across the city uh, and and we got to see warriors in various states of turned up To help us unpack all of that, uh, Dan Devine of The Ringer, my former colleague, is going to join us to talk about the Warriors, uh, all the issues uh, raised by the Celtics uh, loss, what it means for that team. And, and he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have a, a rousing game of Take Survivor where we're joined by uh, various figures from Take Line's Christmas past. But first, I want to welcome uh, my co-host for today, you know him as the co-host of Airbuds. You know him as one of the funniest stand-up comedians out there. Here's a side note before I truly introduce him. Here's the thing about this person that I'm about to introduce. I've seen this guy get up to stand-up where he just, like, something happened before the show. He talks about that for eight minutes before he even gets to the jokes, and he gets people laughing because he's just that funny. He is Jamel Johnson. Jamel, how are you? Are we living in a dream world? Are you, are your eyes still green, girl? <laughs> That's a spoiler. Uh, spoiler, yeah. spoiler. That's a spoiler. A little bit of a spoiler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, before we get into uh, the interview with Dan and and takes forever and all that, we're gonna be joined by super producers Zuri and Ryan to just talk about some of the issues uh, that we that we are seeing around the sports world. First up, let's talk about is Andrew Wiggins dead? So what? <laughs> like. Uh, it's always fun to watch a, a celebration parade and, and you know, who could forget Tom Brady smiling, robotic smile plastered across his face as he is carried out of, <laughs> of the Buccaneers uh, parade boat celebration. Uh, and uh, our winner of the Tom Brady, this dude's messed up award this year goes to Andrew Wiggins, who aged 40 some years over the course of the celebration and legitimately looked like fucking Danny Glover. I don't know what kind of embalming fluids they have Andrew Wiggins in, inhaling over there, but uh, are, are we worried about Andrew Wiggins? Do we think it, 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 Wiggins is Wiggins going to be okay after this? Listen, man, this is what Indicas do to people. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after you haven't been smoking all season or been keeping yourself right for the game. Hey, he looks like he might need to borrow Darth Vader's recovery tank. 
just want to point out Ryan put haven't been smoking in quotes, so we don't know. <laughs> well, well, you know, like you just go, maybe you just go, you know, you just go with the vanilla pre rolls during the season. You want to keep it normal, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah dad grass, and then all of a sudden you 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 win the championship, and you're thinking about dabs, you're thinking about wax, you're thinking about <laughs> dipped pre rolls, all that Jesus. stuff, and now all of a sudden you're legitimately looking like a 55 year old man hanging out with the Warriors. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins looks like he's been stealing catalytic converters right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me just pause here. If you haven't seen this photo, go look for it. Please. Go go look for the photo of Andrew Wiggins with his arm around Clay, legitimately looking like a man on his third divorce. <laughs> it is fucking wild. Unrecognizable. I've never seen this i've never seen this <laughs> level of partying where you he has like he looks like he's been in the sun for 20 30 years <laughs> working outside <laughs> you know what it is though? it's the, it's it's the facial hair he just needs to get cleaned up a little bit it's the eyes obviously <laughs> put some eye drops in i don't think he needs to do much to turn this around into Looking like a normal person, like a you know what? The, the, these are lessons. These are lessons that you learn at your first finals. <laughs> right, right. So you know he's, he's just got to go through it. <laughs> get the good drops with the the mentholated drops. Yeah, yeah. Get the- That's all it takes. Who do we think parties the hardest on the Warriors? Is it Clay? Is it Pool? It's definitely Clay. It's definitely Clay. Clay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, what a day Clay had yesterday. He lost the championship hat in the ocean. Dropped his chip ring. Tackle the lady, <laughs> like, and then he passed I mean, out, and then he passed out behind Draymond, basically telling the whole world to go fuck itself. <laughs> I, I drop in the ring. I got anxious. So for, again, for those of you who who uh, did not watch the the full championship parade and celebration, Clay was moving, you know, from the boat to the talking stage, and he's greeting people like along the route. They were separated by a barrier, and Clay as he was greeting people just dropped the ring on the ground and i had this moment of anxiety where i was like oh shit somebody's gonna grab this ring and make a run for it Mm -hmm. like that's how i think that's where my mind is at (laughs) Mm -hmm. luckily that didn't happen i'm not sure that people actually understood what clay had dropped in that moment like i don't think it it, it hit at that moment but like would you be entitled to just run and take it is that theft that is theft right no it's definitely theft. yeah okay yeah big time theft yeah. It's big time theft. You watched it happen. But like that's no one would be surprised, right? If somebody grabbed the ring and just started running for it. Now, you know, what's not theft. If the ring makes contact with the ground and like one of the mm. jewels pops out and he picks it up and doesn't know. Yeah, one of them diamonds pops out. But you notice and you just like step on it and stay there until people move on. And then you pick that bad boy up and put it in. Your, now, that's not theft, And that's a that's a bit of a come up. That's acquiring. <laughs> that is absolutely acquiring, folks. Head over to uh, Geary Street or wherever the fuck the Warriors had their parade at and just look around, you know, by that route. If you see anything sparkling, pick it up. And that's yours. Shout out to E40 for uh, setting the finals record for most (laughs) most custom Louis Vuitton print in a series. Yes. (laughs) That's that matter. Uh, And and by the way, shouts to the NBA for, for adding the Louis case to the trophy some years back. That's exactly how you need to be doing this. By the way, like, I want more, I I love a ring. I would love to see 
other stuff. I would love to see like like a ring on the top of a baton. You know, like mm. a swagger stick that a general <laughs> scepter or like a you want a scepter? yeah, like a scepter. <laughs> Like I'm talking like a scepter. I would love to see like a crown or a tiara. I'd love to see like Louis Capes with the fur lining. Like everybody let's, let's gets capes. Louis Capes. Everybody with gets capes. Like we need to add some stuff. I'm just saying we need to add some stuff. <laughs> some stuff to it. The trainer with a cape on. <laughs> Maybe a yes. belt, like a championship belt too. That could yeah. be fun. Absolutely. And the other thing I love about a parade is less owners talking. Mm, like yeah. all. All the clips that pop up, whether it's Draymond, you know, being petty, talking shit, uh, half hammered, hanging off someone's shoulder and just yelling into their phone or Clay, you know, passing out. I'm just glad that it's less owners and more of the players just getting to enjoy themselves. Show me Juan Toscano Anderson, you know, fucked up. <laughs> I love 60 year old Andrew Wiggins. I love this stuff. I love the fact that it's. We're centered on the players when it's this part of the celebration. What are they going to say now? I'll tell you what we're going to say. Clay and Andrew Wiggins need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Does, did anybody catch the um, uh, Dre kind of like going back and forth with Ja Morant a little bit? Yeah. Did anybody uh, get yeah. into that part of it? What do we make of uh, what do we make of that? I'll, I'll tell you my my takeaway is to the winner go the spoils, mm -hmm. right? Amen. You win and you get this forty eight hours or or even you know three month summer to just talk your shit. You won, and now you get to to open up that that notebook where you've been keeping notes on all the slights that have been aimed your way, <laughs> real or imagined, and you just get to talk shit. That's how I feel about it, but maybe other people feel differently. No, I agree. No, I agree with that, man. I just hope that the Grizzlies can withstand this and become a real rival. Yeah. I, there was a point yeah. in my life where I thought the Wizards were going to be a rival to the Celtics, but it was one season. <laughs> it did not make it past one season. If the Grizzlies yeah. can make it through NBA 76 and they got to face the Warriors in the playoffs, I think America wins, regardless. Uh, Draymond's line about like property value being worth more in Boston, I think, is an all-time diss. Also, is Ja like a fake tough guy? Is he a real tough guy or is he like a fake tough oh, guy? Oh, so there was this, right. So there yeah. was this kind of like social media driven conversation where it was like, oh, Ja is acting as if, you know, uh, like uh, he's acting tough in a certain way that doesn't actually add up. I saw some cover. Oh, he's, you know, he had a full basketball, full length basketball court on the, in his house when he grew up in the, in the outskirts of, uh, you know, the countryside of, of South Carolina. I think Jaws is a young and confident uh, star budding top 10 guy in the league. Uh, and he has earned the right to be proud of himself and to, and to discourse in a certain way. That's how I felt about it. And also, whether or not I agree that someone's putting on uh, airs, I just love the content, man. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for guys going back and forth. That's what I'm here for. We got to talk about this shit, and we need them to yeah. keep saying shit so we got Please. shit to say. Also, so, if you talk yeah. that shit but you can't back it up on the basketball court, your words are going to mean less because that's when it's like your online gangster NBA version. But when you can pop off on Twitter and then show up at the yeah. arena and drop 35 and posterize people and be like the catalyst of your team's victory, talk your shit. Mm -hmm. And also, this isn't the 80s, bro. 
everybody in the NBA grew up rich now. <laughs> Steph's, da- Steph's dad was in the league. Clay's dad was in the league. Yeah. You know, everybody- yeah. Draymond had Invisalign in college. <laughs> Get out of here, dog. Everybody's got money now. This isn't the 80s. This isn't like Scottie Pippen playing basketball in a dirt road. <laughs> everybody grew up with paper. This is a new world. Shout out to John Morant's iconic deleted tweet from May. Hollow points don't cost no money. Um, <laughs> let's move on. To, let's go. <laughs> you remember that? Remember when he tweeted that? Remember oh, tweeted my God. Guy, he tweeted at a guy on Twitter. Hollow points don't cost no money. All right, maybe he's a real tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I he it, did yeah. delete it, which shows wisdom, but that is a fucking wild thing. Shout out or to at the very team. least, a wise team around him like Jobs used to. Yes, we miss, yeah. we miss you. Um, let's talk about a thing that does uh, cost a lot of money, which is the Live Golf Series. Um, breaking news today, Brooks Kepka, one of the biggest young stars in golf, after denigrating this uh, this tour, as many have before taking the money, has taken the money. Brooks uh, will now join Liv, uh, but of course join uh, the regular old tour for the for the uh, major tournaments. Um, this, uh, you know, obviously Liv is bankrolled by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund in what is clearly a, a, an attempt to flex their financial muscle in order to burnish the reputation of the country and the government and the, and the Royal family, which has among other unsavory things, uh, recently been blamed quite authoritatively for the uh, murder and dismemberment of the Washington post reporter, Jamel Khashoggi. Uh, what's your dollar figure? I asked this, uh, when we talked to Andrew Beaton of the wall street journal, let me ask everybody here. What's your, Fuck it, I'll work for assassins. Number. 500,000. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people could give that to you? <laughs> Half a million. I, like I, mean, a million. <laughs> I mean, no, no I, this is not a flex at all, but I think we could, I think I could go out there and beat the bushes today and come up with 500,000 <laughs> today. Oh, I it. think I maybe. Get it done. <laughs> Get that done, brother. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need that soon. Uh, Zuri? Um, I don't know the number. Maybe some type of like uh, Alex Caruso type deal. Give me like 10 mil, 20 mil, something like that. Just whatever it is. Just give me a player option where I can just cash yeah. out and, and like have it be on my own turn. So let me, let me, let's quick say some of the things you're going to need to consider when, when adding up what your fuck you money is, right? This is the end. This is the end of the road. Whatever this number is, you have to take into account that you're probably not going to be able to work again, you know, in regular, the regular world. Like Brooks Kepka, his formulation is, okay, you know, obviously I'm going to be able to do the majors, but what if the PGA bans me? I can never go back to the PGA, right? I got to make all the money that I need to make right now. Certainly Phil Mickelson uh, and his uh, well, uh, well-reported well gambling issues, that's part of what his formulation is. He's like, I'm in trouble. I need money to support my lavish lifestyle, which I've accrued over many years of, of playing top-level golf. So for all of us here... You're thinking, okay, I'm gonna go work for terrible people. I'm gonna go work for Blaze Sports. I'm gonna go, yeah, exactly. you know, <laughs> whatever the version of that. I'm gonna go work for Tucker Carlson's newest media group. 
I need to make an amount of money where I am done. It doesn't matter if I'm never hired by anybody ever again. For Jamel, it's 500000 Cool half mil. You're done. <laughs> Tax-free. Yeah, it's got to be cash. It's got to be cash. It's got to be under the table. You can't even... You, people can't even know that yeah. I got yeah, right, right, right. No, no, no. 100%. Right. Right. For sure. Uh, so, Zuri, what would it be? Wow, I'm glad you, you clarified that. I think of this as like, I'm going to go produce Trump's podcast. Like, that's kind of like, you know, the end of It's like kind of like that. <laughs> um, it is kind of like that. I'm going to switch my answer from Alex Caruso money to Alex Rodriguez money, and we'll go, there you we'll go. go 10 yeah. years, 10 years, yes. two, 250. Um, again, tax-free, like Jamel said, and... Um, it would still hurt. My thing is like you could just. It would still, it would hurt. still hurt. I, yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean, I would never speak to you again. I know, everybody I know. would never speak to you again. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what. That's what we're talking about. Uh, is like everybody will turn their backs on you. Yeah, I'd still do it for. Two fifty is hefty. Two fifty. That's half a bill. That's legitimately. You could talk about quarter of a billion dollars when you have two fifty. You way. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um. I'm I'm taking uh, you said Alex Rodriguez's contract. I'm taking Garrett Cole's. Put me Garrett over Cole. 300 million. <laughs> I'm a third of a way to a billion. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend it right. So I'm gonna make sure that it lasts indefinitely. Not just me, but my clan. Whoever's left, whoever's still talking to me. Probably not many people. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and we're gonna roll and we're gonna roll like that. <laughs> I like that the number keeps increasing. All right, Jason. Yeah. Jason, what's what's your number? Hmm. Oh fuck, man. Well, it's, 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 it's different because I do have, I have irons in the fire and I've made the deal with myself that very specifically, I'm going to do as many things as possible. I'm going to have as many irons in the fire in my career so that no one has that leverage over me where I have to take a bad job or work for a person that I don't kind of like because they give me a big paycheck. That said, uh, yeah, it, it would have to be in the, Certainly in the hundreds of millions. I'm going to say career earnings, not only that, but I'm throwing away a brand that I have established and worked hard to establish yeah. over many, many <laughs> oh years. God, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing away <laughs> ideals that I legitimately have. I'm going to have to look at my family never speaking <laughs> to me again. My partner being like, is this the person that I originally got into a relationship with? All my friends being like, fuck that guy. I'd he still sold be your that. friend a piece of shit. just because I wouldn't be paying attention to the headlines. Uh-huh. It's like, I wouldn't even realize, like, oh, this nigga worked for the devil. Yeah, he, he would gonna, just I'm notice that now y'all are eating at Nobu every time you're yeah, right. Like, oh, I'm going to lose... Yeah. I'm going to lose all the writing gigs I have with Shay. I'm going to lose like all the stuff that I'm doing. So I'm going to say, let's call it half a billion dollars. Mm. Let's call it $500 million. Mm. And, and in return, <laughs> y'all will never see me again. That's it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this terrible work for the length of the contract. And then because I understand the, the depravity of what I've done, I am going to go away to some land that I have bought and y'all will never hear from me again. I'm going to be there without, without any social media connection, not opining on anything, just like feeding, feeding my cattle and sheep and, and, and being outside of the public eye for the rest of my life. We're spending $500 million in shame. No burner, <laughs> not even a burner. You're not going to fire up the burner. I probably, I would make a burner. 
I would make a murder where I would defend, where I would defend, sell it out to the worst people yeah. in the world for five hundred million. Actually, come on, who wouldn't have taken that amount of money? You tell me, you would have done it well, too. Could, I'm not saying you could donate some of it. You know, also I would donate a significant amount of it. Yeah, so we need like Exxon Mobil to bankroll this this idea, right? I don't even know where the money's actually coming from, but um. I mean, it's it's a you know, here's the thing about the Saudis is they got us like. Go to the gas pump right now. What's it? Six fifty, seven ten, right? They understand the world's. Yes, climate change is gonna kill us real, real soon. But before that time, you need your food to get to the market. You need you need to take a plane somewhere. You need to ship something. You need to go to work. And guess what? Your shit runs on gas, <laughs> doesn't it? And and the world is in turmoil right now, but you need us. So what are we going to do? We're going to flex our muscles. We're going to spend that that money that you're putting into our gas tank. We're going to give it to Brooks Kepka. We're going to give it to Phil Mickelson. And there ain't a fucking thing that you can do about it because you need us right now. That's what the Saudis are saying. And so all of us really are part of the fuck you money process right mm. now. Like we are part of it right now. We are living that life right now. All of it, all of this inflation is in part because the Saudis are living a fuck you money lifestyle and they are making us part of it. Speak for yourself. I ride the bus. I was about to say. <laughs> I, I, I took one look at these gas prices when I got back to Los Angeles and I was like, I found all the public transportation routes. Yeah, tap card, what <laughs> see, up? I, see, see, you think that that's the case, but again, like... All of your groceries get to the grocery store yeah. because of gas. That's All true. of it's impossible like, to disengage. I mean, like, like the like not to bring it serious for a second, but it's. You know, all the inflation that we're dealing with, it's great. Like, you know, I guess that they're going to raise rates and make credit cards and all that stuff more expensive. That said, the source of inflation right now is gas prices. And there ain't, it's like the 70s, unless. Joey Bides is thinking, hey, maybe uh, we invade Saudi Arabia and just take it over, Iraq style. This shit going to be high for a long time. That's why Joe, Joe Biden, who earlier in his uh, in his run as president said, oh, uh, Saudi Arabia is a prior state. They, uh, they killed Jamal Khashoggi and cut up his body and that's fucked up and we can't support that. And is now being like, hey, we love the, uh, the Saudis. They're great. Aren't they great, folks? We love them. I love golf, uh, just like you love golf, and everything they do is is so awesome. Riyadh this time of year is a little hot, but one of my favorite places to sip on an Arnold Palmer on a rooftop by the pool. Love it over there in Riyadh, folks. We and what choice do we have? Because they got us. They got us by the neck. Is he also falling off a bike while he says that? <laughs> I bet that maybe my guy is fucking looks like Andrew Wiggins, but all the time. <laughs> Let's go to Dan Divide and talk about this finals. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Golden State Warriors are champions of the NBA after finishing off the Boston Celtics in six mostly boring games, except for the one where Steph Curry went crazy 
joining us now to talk about it. Fresh off Father's Day, that Father's Day glow still around him. And it's wonderful to talk to him now while I'm not standing on the side of the road in New Mexico. He is my former colleague, one of the greatest to ever do it, ever. He's Dan Devine. Dan, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm well. I'm glad that the glow is still showing off of me, that it has. It, yes. I've retained it after a couple of days. Because the first thing that happened to me on Father's Day was my four-year-old yes. looked at me as I walked out of the bedroom and just went and just held her nose like, yo, you stink. And it's, oh, a, and it's a bad start <laughs> to the morning. And I was like, even on this day, on my one day, it's a tough start. But the season's over. I get to be like talking to y'all at a time where I've slept. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So thank you so much for having me back. I showered so I don't stink like that anymore. So it's good to go. Let's rock. <laughs> so let me ask this. Was that a legitimate critique or was she just, she was just roasting you for no apparent reason? Like, what was it? Well, I mean, listen, I, you know, you, it's not really for me to say at that point, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, it, yeah, yeah. It, it did lead me to make some changes. I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't address the situation. <laughs> Man, don't, don't, don't let a four-year-old mess up your soap routine. Kids don't know what stinks. Yeah. Uh, they don't kids know don't what know what stinks they're until they're like 20. That's exactly right. She, yeah. I mean, she's, she's flagrantly disrespectful. Uh, her, she stinks all the time and I'm not here trying to like, you know, yeah. but anyway, that's not why you brought me here today to, 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 uh, to annihilate after the fact, both myself and my four year old. So that's not why we're here today. Let's start here, Dan, as a hardcore sports journalist. That's right. Hardcore. Mm-hmm. The hard hitting shit. Do you switch off after the finals or do you watch the parade also? I ask because um, any good any good championship parade is measured by the uh, the risk of alcohol poisoning <laughs> right. to the people involved. And I think it was pretty high watching the Warriors parade. Uh, we did see uh, Clay Thompson drop his championship ring on the ground. We did see him uh, run over a woman who was just standing there. <laughs> Uh, we did see him slumped in his chair, wearing a captain's hat. Uh, do, do you do you watch that, or do you just go? I'm done. I've done my work. I'm thinking about free agency. I'm thinking about the draft, and I'm looking forward as a hardcore journalist. What does Dan Devine do with the championship parade? Uh, well, I used to have to write about that too, and it was like whatever viral moments from the parade. It was like I had to write 15 posts about that bullshit. So now I don't have to do that anymore. But you're a hardcore journalist. I am. I, I, and I am. I'm, I'm tracking Clay throughout. It's like, you know how they have like the tiger tracker, like the dude who was just like on tiger <laughs> yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah. So you're just watching Clay and it's like, it's like a family circus cartoon, dotted lines, weaving in and out of stuff and maybe getting wet and falling down. Um, I, I, yeah. I tuned in for just like, just to see how much people were going to get to say, because there was that question of like, are the players going to get to actually talk and make statements? Because you want to hear from Draymond and you want to hear just how faded everybody is on a scale and establishing yeah. like, yeah. A, like a, you know, sort of like a, a bandwidth of who's where. Um, but I, was, I mean, Clay wasn't game six Clay in game six. He was game six Clay at, at the parade. So that's like, it, it was right. nice to see yes. him make a comeback strong in that way. And uh, you just hope that <laughs> a, a lot of bystanders in the Bay Area are, are, are keeping their head on a swivel out there because it's real. It's real for him right now. Okay, I got a question. Let's let me let me ask you some legacy stuff. I'm an NBA fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which means I can only enjoy something if I can compare it to some <laughs> shit I saw when I was a child. And denigrated. And the denigrated war- in comparison it, too. Yes, yes. Then yes. denigrated Absolutely. in comparison. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Warriors for chips. They've got an attitude. Is this the closest thing to the bad boys that we'll ever see? Ooh. You think of they Clay used to clothesline fools. Draymond is playing football during the basketball game. <laughs> Shout out to Zaza Pachulia. Just you catching a stray just cause. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, the, my, my immediate thought is I watched those grit and grind Grizzlies teams and like Tony Allen literally savat kicked Chris Paul in the head. Like I saw that happen in the paint. <laughs> so if we're talking about like who who's getting at who, Zach Randolph, Zach Randolph choke slammed Blake Griffin like Damn. he was Kane. I saw that happen. Yeah, that was yeah, crazy. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That did happen. Yeah, that did so happen. just in terms of sheer physicality, but in terms of accomplishment, those, you know, those Grizzlies teams did not get there. So I kind of feel what you're saying from that. Um, the, the, those bad boys teams, they went back to back, but they only won two. Right. And then they weren't able to, to kind of extend that. Um, and this is like, I mean, four in eight years with six finals trips in that time. And, yeah. you know, with, you know, the, the, the only real down period being when two of their three most important guys got hurt for extended periods of time. Like this is pretty, a pretty remarkable run. Like you know, and, and the serious answer to this is we haven't seen something like this extended in, the, in, in like a shorter period of time too. Like it's not the Spurs four and 15 or whatever. This is four and eight. Like yeah. that's, that's since the Bulls. We haven't seen that since the mid nineties. And um, if Steph is this, and if Clay is better next year than he is this year coming off another year removed from that injury and that rehab, and those young guys are able to sort of keep it, keep it cooking and, and, and develop. Um, I don't know that we are necessarily done. Hey, that's fair. I, and I think a lot of hardcore NBA journalists looked at this series and <laughs> like thought, you, <laughs> like myself, hardcore. That's right. Like leathery, hard bitten. You know, I've got the pencil uh, stuck in my cap and I've got the a little notepad in my uh, breast pocket. You're breaking down slob sets like you're watching eight millimeter. Yeah, it's, 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 it's. I'm just in there crushing tape right. nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And, and that research brought me to the following conclusion. And I think a lot of, a, a, a lot of hard bitten NBA journalists also came to this conclusion before the series, which is the Celtics look like the better team on paper, but the Warriors have that X factor of, you know, experience. They've been here before they know how to win, et cetera. And then as it played out, it became clear that really the big thing along with the experiences the Celtics' best three players are turnover machines. Right. And yeah. the team's one Achilles heel is turnovers because they are a great defensive team, right? Uh, you're looking for any easy point you could get. And gratefully for the Warriors, the Celtics' three best players are going to give you those easy opportunities <laughs> time and time and time again. Is there how – does, how do the Celtics solve this problem? Because it's a structural problem, and it is one that really – needs to be solved. I'm not saying they can't win a title as constructed, but you got to solve that problem. What do the Celtics do uh, going into 2022? Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing is just, it's funny to have seen a Warriors finals where they're not the team that was throwing the ball over the fucking place, right? Like, yeah. like, like the Warriors lost because Steph was throwing behind the back lefty passes in game seven, right? Like, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah, it became yeah. like they were all of a sudden the mature, steady ones. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's a function of the way they built, as you said, like, if you make Marcus Smart your point guard because you want to have that size in the backcourt and be able to switch everything, like be it's the function of how their defense went from like really good to insane is part that's part of it. It means that you're you're not gonna have an elite table setter, a guy who's gonna make like the steady safe pass every time and who might be prone to just like a random six for 18 or six for 19 because he feels like he's got it going or he's gonna shoot until he does. And when you don't have somebody to like settle those possessions down. 
it makes it really difficult to, to generate good offense. It, it makes it easier to get into the quicksand, which we saw so much from them in the fourth quarters. So one, I mean, it, easy is not really the word for it because they've constructed their team this way. But if you and, and now that you've given Smart the keys for a year and, you know, we're a 50 win team that will look like the best team in the NBA for most of the season. How do you take them back and go like, actually, no, yeah. you're a two guard again. Right. Um, and right, we're going to yeah. play small with only, you know, with. Okay, and that was the other thing. The construction was Robert Williams next to Al Horford or Grant Williams with it, like always two bigs that made their defense so tough to score against on the interior. How do you get all of those guys on the court while also improving the ball handling, improving the facilitating? It means like you need internal development from Tatum, from Brown. And from Smart, Smart's like 28 years old. Like, if, I don't know that he's going to get dramatically better at ball security or ball handling. Brown and Tatum are young, but they've also like, they've been in the league seven, eight years now. This is kind of who they are. Yeah. I mean, the hope is that you, like, you can just reduce that margin. If those guys get, you know, X percent better at just not fucking throwing it all over the place, that then like <laughs> you, you reduce the vulnerability to that one big problem. And if they do that, maybe they win in six games because they that really was it. I mean, we all look for smart yeah. things to point at, but like if they didn't throw the ball over the place, they would have won the finals. Yeah. So do a little bit less of that. And it's not really as much about roster construction as much as about like, you just can't do that as often. I got two words for you, gentlemen. Lethal dribbler. They got to get with my guy, lethal dribbler in the offseason, start <laughs> dribbling bricks. Start dribbling bricks underwater, mm-hmm. and you will see the results. So you think it's not it's not a Drew Handlin solution? It's not like just more time with him. It's my guy Stu Handlin. Drew Stu Handlin. Stu Handling, <laughs> aka the yeah, lethal yeah, dribbler. Yeah, 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 yeah. You start you start with two terrines of Stu, and you just you're yeah, underwater. Yeah, yeah. You just in and out, in and out, in and out, ah, in and out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you. So, first of all, I love Jalen Brown. I have an affinity for a guy with no spin move in his bag, <laughs> constantly doing spin moves. As a, yep. as a person who roots for Julius Randle, I love to see that. It makes me so. It just it feels like home when I see that. Uh, but you know, some people are going to look at this and say, "Well, you you know, Marcus Smart, twenty eight, uh, Smart for Brogdon, mm-hmm. Tyus Jones. You know, some kind of like, do we?" Do we make a move there with either do we pick one of the guys who isn't Jason Tatum and go in for a playmaker or is it do you see a move like that out there or are the Celtics going to say, no, these are our three guys. That's the culture of this team. And we're going to figure out how to improve around the margins. And just to what you're saying, just be smarter with the ball and stop. If your bag is empty, don't go in there looking for a spin move because the spin move is not there. It's very aggressively not there. We've established that. If nothing else, we learned over the course of the finals. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that they can, I don't really think that's an option for them. I mean, yeah, yeah, as as much as it is, it would be wonderful to have a like six to one assist to turnover ratio point guard. Like doing that takes away from the fundamental way they wanted to build the team, which was huge defense, right? Huge everywhere defense, switch everything. And like Brogdon is a guy who, you know, maybe he's certainly eminently gettable from the Pacers right now, but like also gets injured all the time and plays 50 games and like, isn't a better player than Marcus Smart. Right. right? And, you know, someone like Tyus Jones, that's a, you know, who's a guy who's like, like a four, a player in baseball, right? Like he, where he's really, you know, been like really good as a sixth man, a backup point guard, but maybe not good enough to be your starter and like really helpful in Memphis, but going to get a lot of money. Figuring out how to make something like that work with that roster is really, really tricky. And 
it just goes back to like, I don't think Brad Stevens and Ime Udoka and whoever else is making decisions in Boston is looking at that and saying, our problem is that we need to like dramatically dismantle what worked and it's the margin. They got to get a little bit better at it. But that said, I mean, if you, if you get an option to like really upgrade with an elite level point guard, and I don't know who that guy is that would, that would be there as a, as a, an available, like significant upgrade who doesn't, who's worth taking that step back defensively. Um, then maybe you do it. But, and I would say as far as that question of splitting up the Jays, if Jalen Brown got on the market, like 29 other teams would be instantly like, yes, we want that. Like, because right. the thing that I'll remember from outside of just how many broken possessions there were is that when it was game seven and they needed somebody, he was the only one getting buckets. He was the only one attacking the rim and trying to make something happen. And combine that with the size, the defensive at work and all that, like that's a guy, if you're going to get rid of him, you need like the mother load to get back. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on the guys that lost, but just yeah. a quick honorable mention to the worst player in game six, Derek White. <laughs> the man, oh, man was so afraid. It was like, you remember in the water boy when the dude gets picked in the <laughs> yeah. onside kick? Uh, yeah. That was that was Derek White the entire game after playing so good early in the season. Are the Celtics going to move on from him, get a new backup? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I think he's under contract for at least one more year after this. I think that, that uh, they're, they're like going to say, well, we started to become awesome with that guy. And like, he was huge for most of the playoffs. I think what it is, is that like Fred Van Vliet had the kid in the middle of the playoffs and his power up lasted through the end of the finals. Derek White's kid based power up just ended a little early. <laughs> You know, like the, the okay. Super Mario star just like ran out a little bit early as yeah, he's trying to just a touch. He's trying to run over the spikes and it runs out a little early. And I think the answer here is very clear. <laughs> the answer here is very clear. Stagger the birthday a little bit later, yeah. a little bit later yeah. in yeah, the conference yeah. finals. And then you're good money. The salary weight of the Golden State Warriors, I think, has been a big, big point of contention. Uh, uh, Windy, the great, uh, the great. Windhorst over at ESPN uh, caused a bit of a stir by mentioning, "Hey, you got to when you compete with the Warriors, you got to compete with their their checkbook mm-hmm. as well as their players." Uh, notably, Andrew Wiggins, Maple Mamba, who uh, spent most of his career disappointing everyone and the and the entire nation of Canada, uh, has uh, <laughs> blossomed into a real impact, a real two way impact player. I don't think that's is that like controversial. Like that happened. We're no. like, yes, Andrew Wiggins is a champion now. But like everybody's acting like, they, oh, I saw it. I knew it. I knew he was going to be. No, you didn't. You didn't. No one did. This is what's great about it. None of us saw this. So Andrew Wiggins had, it was an incredible player. Like if this was 2015, they'd probably give him the finals MVP over Steph Curry. Jordan Poole has emerged as a real impact player off the bench and as a spot starter when Steph Curry needs to be on the bench. And of course, the Warriors are carrying a salary that is inching towards half a billion dollars. So, it, you know, when you put all the taxes and everything into it, uh, what do we do here? Uh, you mentioned the Spurs earlier, four over 14, 15 years. Part of how they were able to do that was bringing in players over time, you know, like like Ginobili, who then emerged as, as a key contributor to that team, finding all the right pieces to fit around Tim Duncan as the as the core began to age. I think you can make the argument now that, you know, maybe the worst contracts that the Warriors have are, are Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, right? So what happens with Andrew Wiggins? What happens with Jordan Poole? What happens with, with James Wiseman, the number two pick who they didn't even need? 
I think the most important number here in all of this is uh, 1.5 billion. And that's what Joe Lacob's net worth is as of right now on Forbes. Um, Pay up. That's the answer. The answer is you pay up like because that also the Chase Center is basically like an ATM for him and for that franchise. Like that was why it's why they moved to San Francisco. It's why they were like, uh, you know, the idea of of whatever gate additional like 15 million dollars or something like that in gate revenue for every home game they have in the playoffs. It's it's a slot machine. It pays out. And so the thing that like it's. You know, Steph does not get like vocal about I want you to do this or I want you to do that. Like the power plays out publicly like some of the other stars of his era. But when he took that Supermax last summer, the extension, and it was like the the, the implication behind all that was we're done fucking around. Yeah. I now have my commitment from the organization that they are going to spend to keep it together. And now maybe that's not every single you know, player down the 15 man roster. But like if there's a question of pony up for pool and restricted free agency, doesn't matter. Pay it, preserve the asset, because now you know yeah. the salary slot, like it was with the KD to D'Angelo Russell to Wiggins, yeah. the salary slot matters because that's how you add the talent when you're over the tax line. You just need to be able to continue filling in that uh, that salary slot. Yes, pay that man. Yeah, Gary right. Payton, yeah. Gary Payton II, the vibes of letting him go Absolutely. right now, pay that man. Yep. Like, And then the, the hope or the, the belief is eventually it's not that any one of those young players that the Warriors have is going to turn into Kawhi or whatever, but like that core of guys, you know, Jonathan Kuminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, those young dudes will be able to then like be your sixth, seventh, eighth guys. And that's where you save the money instead of paying like Otto Porter $2.5 million that turns into 18 with tax bills. You pay those guys. Get him out of here. Get Otto <laughs> Porter. Oh, Vacate we got, Otto we got, Porter's title we got, right oh, now. We got I do need to hear this. this. Because listen, as a Knicks fan, a feeling that I am quite used to is watching players who the Knicks cast off, watching them perform and impact a team in another team in the postseason and deep into the postseason. Jamel, of course, is a Wizards mm-hmm. fan. Imagine the pain of watching Otto Porter Jr. win a win a fucking ring. He won a Otto Porter won a Jamel, ring. Jamel, your the, the beef here is with the Brooklyn Nets who signed <laughs> or it was the Sacramento Kings, right? The Kings signed him to that offer sheet. Yeah. Yeah, it was with yeah. the Kings. It was the Kings. As always, it's it's <laughs> fuck the Kings. It's get at it's get at Vivek. That's the that's the issue here. The issue is with myself. Okay. I, <laughs> I know myself. Because I wanted him to stay. I was like, keep him. I saw him become a really good three-point shooter. And all he mm-hmm. was able to do was shoot threes in this final. And he actually hit him. Oh, it was disgusting to watch. Ugh. Now, the real the, the people who are really hurting on this is like the Bulls made a big move for him. And were like, Otto Porter might be like the third piece of our Ridiculous. rebuild. And then it's like absolutely like, uh, you know, Tin Man broke down for two years. And now winds up being, you know, the missing piece small ball four on the championship team. Difficult. I hate that he was the perfect, the missing piece on a championship team. I hate that I had to watch it. Uh, what the Wizards really need is another power forward. They got Chris Ups, they got Rui, they got uh, uh, yeah. Avia. Uh, they really, they really, really, really need one more four. Jason, we're reinventing basketball. <laughs> That's um, not a reinvention, by the way. By the way, the, the Knicks tried the all five power forwards lineup and it didn't work so hot. <laughs> um, finally, one more legacy question. Uh, it's throughout the run-up to this finals win, the Warriors from top to bottom, I'm talking like Lakeup on down to anyone associated with this crew has been very, very loudly working 
laying the track to separate this finals win from their previous finals wins, uh, specifically the finals that they won with Kevin Durant. It's been, it's been a point of discussion. Oh, this is the greatest one we ever did. This is the most special one. Uh, you know, this was always Steph's team. Always throughout mm. everything, you know, I'm, I'm mm. not denigrating anybody, but it was always Steph's team. Mm. Uh, those kinds of, of comments. How do you view this in the context of the Warriors run? And of course the run is ongoing. How do you look at this and what do you make of those, <laughs> those not really subtle attempts to distance this Warriors team from the Warriors team uh, with Kevin? I mean, that, it's, it's like, there is a classic, uh, you know, post breakup behavior to it. Like, listen, I like, I, I, I go, whatever happy I was with you, I can be that happy without you. Like I, I, I'm the one that was the get. I'm the one that was the catch, not you. Three years later, maybe it's like, well, you don't have to be so loud about that. Like, you can just kind of live your own life comfortably and everybody's moved on pretty well. But I think in terms of, of what the title was like, that was the thing I kind of, like, it struck me watching the finals. Everybody had talked about the Warriors need to turn all those young guys or all those whatever contracts and assets into another superstar, right? Whether that was Bradley Beal or whoever, like that needs to be another superstar. And it's because the KD era broke our brains. Like the 15 Warriors were a really good team that had flaws. And every other team in NBA history, basically, that wins a championship was like a really good team that wasn't invincible. And then the Warriors kind of fucked up the game. They broke our brains for the way we understand what a champion needs to look like. So then this year, it's like, no, yeah, there's a bunch of really good teams that all have flaws. So then you figure out matchups and styles, make fights and whatever. So I think for them to look at it and say, yeah, we can still win this way. We never couldn't win this way. Even when KD got hurt against the Rockets in that 2019 playoffs, we still closed them out that way. And we won, you know, we kept going. We would have won a championship maybe if not for Clay going down. Like we felt, they always felt this could work. So I get why they look at it like this is proof of concept even if it didn't really need one. And the emotional contingent, like Steph breaking down yeah. crying on the court because like yeah. they were a 15 and 50 team that went all the way down to the bottom. I understand why this is more sort of special in the moment after the fact, but it's like they're, they're recognizing and saying out loud too, like, yeah, we understand that what we did there and what happened there was like a break from history, but this is what works and this is what can work for us. And this is why we're special. We make us special, not whatever we brought in from outside doesn't change the fact that you went and started calling from out, like from the parking lot after you lost to LeBron to go get what was outside to bring it in to make you special again. But by the way, that's the part of the story that always gets brushed past that they were recruiting Katie. I mean, they were calling him, wanted him to come pitching him on joining the team. We always forget that, but we don't want to talk about that part of it, but I digress. They're the Hamptons five because they all went to the Hamptons to fucking ask KD to come. Like that was why that lineup was that lineup. Uh, after everything, uh, this just makes the 2016 final that much better. It's still game seven of 2016 is still the best game right. I ever watched. And every year after it, it gets better. Well, I think that's the way to look at all of this, right? Like what just happened, I guess, unless you're a Celtics fan, in which case, you know, we're playing the world's smallest yeah. violins for you. But um, like, this this <laughs> enriches everything before. It validates the early championships and that, that 73 win team. It makes the 2016 finals and the Cavs coming back even more insane and incredible. It makes what we saw during those KD years, like it preserves it in amber as something that's like, we're never going to see a team like that again. And then it also it elevates everybody who's left with the Warriors now. Steph, 
play Draymond everybody. It elevates all those guys' legacies after the fact. It's not often that everybody comes away a winner. I guess, again, maybe except for Boston and KD. But, like, everybody comes away a winner in this situation, and we got to watch some pretty cool basketball along the way. Dan Devine, uh, it's been wonderful having you here. I just want to note also uh, the Game 7 uh, 2016. We got Game 7 2016 and then Game of Thrones Battle of the Bastards later that evening. What a Sunday <laughs> of fucking better and better content and, better. and television that was. <laughs> oh my god dan it's been wonderful to see you it's been wonderful to talk with you uh i love it i love having you on please come back i'm begging you it was my pleasure thank you very much uh jamel wonderful to see you as well uh and i hope our legacies are only burnished by this this discussion yes amen yes, th- that is the hope Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, you know what those drums mean. It's the first day of summer, and it's time for Take Survivor, the game where only the strongest take wins. Today, four veterans of the Take Survivor Island, their faces smeared with blood and victory, up first. He is a stand-up comedian. He's the co-host of this episode today. He's also the co-host of the Airbuds podcast. Fresh off a Z-Pack, he is Jamel Johnson. Jamel, how are you? Hello, I'm playing on behalf of my immune system today, Jason. <laughs> he is the director of video development at Crooked Media. He's a former producer on a bunch of the stuff that I've uh, done here at Crooked Media. He is Elijah Code. Elijah, how are you? Jason, I'm great. The content is flowing through me today. I'm ready. She is a producer of Hysteria, and dare we say it, Crooked Media, and she's just been trouncing around Europe learning about European Union legislation, and now she's headed uh, on another vacation, and she's one of the greatest to ever do it. She is CR, Caroline Reston. Caroline, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so good. I thought we were feuding because I hadn't been on this Take Survivor for a while, and then Zuri said 8.30. You've been in Europe! Yeah, well, then Zuri <laughs> said 8.30 a.m. I was like, oh, we are feuding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he is a producer of this show. He is Ryan Wallerson. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, Jason. You know, for me, it's a lot more blood than victory, but let's see if we can do something about that today. Well, everybody here knows the rules, so we don't need to really do that. So let's just jump into it with our very first prompt. What's the classiest article of clothing? The NBA draft is set for this Thursday, June 23rd at the Barclays Center in, in Brooklyn. Uh, who could forget some of the most memorable draft suits in NBA history, including LeBron's white suit in 2003, Carmelo's gigantic suit also in 2003, uh, Kevin Knox's <laughs> Fortnite suit from a few years back, probably the most, uh, the most impactful thing that he's done uh, with regards to the NBA. But 
let's say you've got a big event like the NBA draft or the Oscars or some of some award show or some big meeting or a wedding. What is the single classiest article of clothing a person can wear? It doesn't have to be one that you particularly own. Just the single classiest article of clothing. Ryan, let's start with you. Okay. Okay. You know, the NBA draft is this week, but I'm not going to take my cadence from a prospective player. I'm going to go elsewhere in the basketball universe and say that my answer is inspired by one Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson. Because it's got to be, it's got to be the loud bow tie. It's got to be the bow tie that not only is enhancing the overall fit from the traditional tie, but then it's also got to be loud. It's got to like tie your entire outfit together. Color schemes, maybe some like embroidered jewelry, like make the thing sizzle. And I think that goes down for me as the hottest piece of clothing one can put on. Damn, Ryan goes with the Tucker Carlson. It's really early for this, but we're doing it right off the bat. Caroline Reston, what is the single most classy article of clothing? Okay, so I may have misunderstood the assignment here, but because the Warriors just won the NBA Finals. Remember I, remember I called go. it earlier this year? Anyway, um, I'm going to say the classiest article of clothing, <laughs> because I do anything or follow anything Steph Curry does, is shorts where writing is on the crotch. That's revolutionary. That's owning your sexuality. Remember when they used to be on your butt? Yes! Look at that. Maybe an HR violation, but you know what? It's classy as (laughs) It is an audio medium. Jason is wearing those exact kind of shorts right now. So uh, shorts with writing on the crotch. Shorts with writing on the crotch. What did Steph's writing say? Oakland. Interesting. Or Oaktown. One of them. Interesting. He purposely did Oaktown or Oakland to be like, fuck San Francisco and the Chase Center. Even though I'm from San Francisco and love that city, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, I love I love a symbolic gesture when the actual uh, substantive gesture is that they don't play in Oakland <laughs> anymore. Uh, Elijah, what is the classiest article of clothing? Jason, I struggle with this one because I was trying to think of one that wasn't exclusive to men. And what I've landed on here is gloves. Anyone can wear gloves. And I'm Ooh. talking about a classy glove. A white glove for a man, an elbow-high glove for a woman. If you see someone wearing gloves at an event, you know that's class. That's a great answer. Wow. That's a good answer. That's a great answer. Thank you. Jamel, what is the classiest article of clothing? Man, shout out to OJ with the leather isotoners. (laughs) I, I, I cannot believe that this is still on the board. The top hat, folks. Oh, whoa. Top hat is also unisex. You got a tuxedo on, you put a top hat on, that motherfucker is to the next level. Throw a monocle with it. Wow. <laughs> it looks like you look like the great Gatsby. It looks like you've been getting money Gatsby? since the 20s. Yeah. Class yeah. is That's- getting money since the 20s. Your family used to, <laughs> your family's been, your family's been selling smoked meats <laughs> since 1918. Out of Brooklyn, put a top hat on. Let the people know. Top I've been hat breaking unions thing. for a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> high class. Uh, high class, folks. Okay, uh, let's go to the voting. An incredibly varied selection of classy clothing today. But who will be the first voted off the island? Uh, the votes are coming in now, as you know. Uh, whoever gets the most votes is ejected from the island today. Will it be 
Ryan, who says that big, loud bow tie, get the print on it, get a wild print on it, crazy colors, match it to your suit. And and nothing says class like a bow tie that is screaming in your eardrums. Uh, CR says shorts with writing on the crotch. You've got a fancy wedding. You've got uh, the Grammys coming up. John Legend show up with some uh, some uh, himbo shorts with something classy written right across the middle. We'll be classy and just say the middle. <laughs> Elijah says, how about the gloves? What about a gloves? What about a driving glove? What about a lambskin glove? What about a merino lamb interior glove? What about those white elbow gloves without a spot on them and then light my cigarette with that long-ass holder? Jamel says, top hat. The top hat, folks. How the magicians are are prestidigitating things out of the top hat. The the people who owned the steel mills had the top hat. Andrew Carnegie wearing the top hat. Top hat throughout history. Abraham Lincoln with the top hat. The top hat says class. It says money. It says old money, <laughs> folks. Here come the votes right now. We have one vote for Caroline. We have one vote for Ryan. We have another vote for Ryan. We have another vote for Caroline. And our final vote and our first ejectee from the island is for Ryan Wallerson. Ryan, you've been ejected from the island. What do you have to say? You know, man, I, f- I feel like we we... we work together to dress someone really well. A loud bow tie, some gloves, a top hat, and some crotch shirts. You can hit any party like that and feel really good about it. So I'm 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 proud to have contributed. I'll bow out gracefully, Ernie Johnson out. It is a vibe. The articles of clothing all put together. Absolutely that is an energy uh, to go forward within the world. Next question. Uh, Drake, as you know, uh, has released his latest album. Uh, it's always a, a part of our summer. You know, you head into summer and you think, when is Drake going to drop the album that uh, is going to define the sound of all the parties I go to this summer? Well, he's done it with Honestly Nevermind, which dropped last Friday. Uh, it has been, I think we could say, that it's been a divisive time to see uh, what people think of that album. Some people love it. Uh, some people don't like it as much. Uh, it definitely has that kind of like 90s, club banger vibe to it. Um, But, and of course, uh, Beyonce dropped a a new single, Break My Soul. Uh, So with that in mind, what is the worst artist or album or song that you love? Everyone in the world hates this artist, hates this album, hates this song, but you know what? You love it. Secretly, publicly, you love it. Let's start with Jamel. Jamel? What's the worst artist or album that you love? Um, well, first, let me say Drake's album is the reason why old people shouldn't be on TikTok. But moving <laughs> forward, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep it in theme. This is an artist that I love, but nobody likes this album. Electric Circus by Common. Common. Mr. Oh. Rappity Raps. The guy could rap about computer yeah. chips and all type of stuff. And, he does. And we love it. And he's great. But that album, clearly made when he was still dating Erica Badu. And then they broke up and he had to put the <laughs> shit out anyway. Terrible album. But it's got one good song, Come Close, with Mary J. Blige. 
it's worth all of that other trash on there. The video is so cute. He's he's dating a deaf woman and he makes her a bunch of signs. It makes me cry every time I watch. For those of you uh, not familiar, this takes us back to 2002. This is the the follow-up to his Like Water for Chocolate album. Uh, That's for our younger listeners who might know Common as only the guy who talks about AI. Thank you for letting us know. Through AI. Yo, my favorite is through Through AI. AI. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Elijah, what's the worst artist or album or song that you love? Uh, Jason, can I ask a question before I give this answer? Sure. How are we being How are we being graded here? Are we being voted off based on wow, that is really bad, or that's or that is a guilty pleasure for me too? Mm. Elijah, what kind of question thing. is this? It's absolutely subjective. <laughs> well, I mean, I have an answer <laughs> that I think subjective. everyone will definitely hate. Like they'll be like, "That is bad," and then I have another one that everyone's like, okay. "I guiltily like this too." I, I'm hearing what I'm hearing from you, Elijah, is fear. <laughs> and a fear and a need to be accepted. And I think just bear yourself, be vulnerable in this moment and let us see your bad taste. It's freeing. That's it. But like, make your own decisions, obviously. I'll call it our bad taste then because we've talked about this before. I love the band Fish okay. with the PH. It turns me into okay. a kind of pretentious person where I'll tell people you just got to listen to this, you know, 18-minute jam around the nine-minute mark. They get very spacey and exploratory in a way that really opens you up, relaxes you, but then lifts you to new heights. I'll tell people that it's not really rock. It's more akin to jazz. I will turn into a completely different kind of animal around this band. Some people thought it was a phase for me, but I love them. I've seen a bunch of live shows, and that is my artist that I listen to despite people not enjoying them. Elijah, what is the what you you've met somebody who doesn't know of fish? What is the one track you play for them to maybe get them to like them? And what drug do they have to be on? Mm. Well, that's a different <laughs> that's a different story. That's a next level. That's the next level of the indoctrination. But what's the first one that little appetizer that you give and before you go to the drug level. Oh, I would say Tube from Madison Square Garden, uh, December 29th, 1997, that particular one. Let me play this Tube from you from that uh, MSG run in 97. They were so good in 97. I think they fell off, you know, around 2002, when uh, Trey went into rehab. Uh, but this is when they were really great. Trey was still on the drugs. CR, what's the worst artist, album, or song that you love? Okay, I feel like now that's what I call music gets a really bad rap, but it was really helpful (laughs) when I was younger to know what was fun. And so if I have to say specifically, now that's what I call music 10 was my favorite because there were fucking jams on that, but they got like no respect. It was like Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton, Overprotected, Britney Spears, Girlfriend by NSYNC, the Nelly version. It was such a great album and people just forget about it. They had Nelly on there. Whoa. It's so good. It's banger after banger. Now that's what I call 10 is truly a forgotten but wonderful album. Let's run down it right now. Ready? Overprotected by Britney Spears, the Dark Child remix. Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue. Wow, that's a video. Great one. Escape, Enrique Iglesias. I've Got You, Mark Antony, Girlfriend, Neptune's remix, and Sync. I'm Gonna Be All Right, Trackmaster's remix, Jennifer Lopez featuring Nas. 
Don't say goodbye, Paulina Rubio. Move it like this, the Baja. The man. best Baja. Mm. <laughs> okay, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, way better than who let the dogs out. More than a woman, Aaliyah. Well, yeah, I don't think that's fair to say. More than a woman by Aaliyah. Uh-huh, B2K. Always on Time, Ja Rule featuring Long Island legend Ashanti. Sugar High by Jade Anderson. Half Crazy Music. Underneath Your Clothes oh, by one. Shakira Shakira. A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. A New Day Has Come, Celine Dion. We Are All Made of Stars by Moby. Boo. First Date, Blink-182. Stillness of Heart, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. How You Remind Me, Nickelback. Ending Nickelback, with- close it out the album. <laughs> Man, not a curse word to be found. Damn. Just heat. Not one. Okay, let's go to the voting. Who is going to be the next person voted off take Survivor Island? Is it going to be Caroline Rustin who says, now, hey now, you're an all-star, and that's what I call Music 10, uh, which contains all the hits that we have just uh, listed off. Will it be Elijah who says, uh, you know, Harry, where do you go where the lights go out? I'll tell you where you go. You go to the fish show. They're still doing it after all these years. Paige, Trey, Mike, John Fishman, The Glorious Four, people still dropping major, major hits of acid to that band and traveling around the country smelling like absolute dog shit. Amen. Will it be Jamel who says, hey, here's a common record that came after the famous common record, and you might have forgot about this common record because now he's selling AI chips to people. Pentium processors. Yeah, he's doing Pentium processors. It's all over. We're talking about Chicago legend Common and his his album Electric Circus, which was written in the throes of love with Eric Abadu, who he then broke up with or they broke up with each other before the album was released. And it was awkward because a lot of those songs are going to be about how he was in love with neo-soul legend Eric Abadu. Votes are coming in now. Can't wait to see where this one goes. Can't get you out of my head as a banger. So oh my God, right? Love my dance studio, we had like literally seven different dances to that song. And then we went to a competition and everyone else had dances Ugh. to that song. And we were like, you know what? It's a great song. Let's hear it 20 more times. Also, I miss Ashanti. I, I want to know where she is right now. And uh, thirdly, A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Just hearing the piano intro. Oh, it just, are you crying it, already? It's like a, Pavlo- it's a Pavlovian response when I when I hear that. And here we go. Uh, we have one vote for Jamel. We have one vote for Elijah. We have one vote for Caroline. We have another vote for Elijah. And another vote for Jamel. Folks, we have a tie, a two-way tie. Jamel versus Elijah, which means we go to a runoff. (laughs) Are you ready? I think so. Folks, what is... Your favorite lyric from the artist you mentioned, and why is it a great lyric to introduce people to this artist in this period of time? I'll give you a second to think about it before I ask specifically. Hmm. Elijah, your favorite fish lyric. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it just like sounds? Oh, no, man. it's not sounds, but it's definitely like shit that is complete non sequitur. Yeah, there's, like, there's definitely a great game to be played that's like Rafi lyric or fish lyric. You know, the tires of it. And let me say this. Yeah, go ahead. I did, uh, when I was in music school particularly, I went through a fish phase because 
it was just cool to see uh, musicianship in rock music. And also, I was going through a heavy, heavy drug phase. I was taking a lot of acid at that time. Once a weekend, I was taking, I was dropping acid for about a year until I started stuttering, and then I stopped, and I haven't oh. really done it since. But during that time... I, man, did I love going to see a fish show, and did the lyrics not matter to me at all? They did not. Ready? Elijah, what's your what's your uh, favorite fish lyric, and why is it great? Keep it simple. You referenced Harry Hood earlier. I'm going to say, you can feel good. Not a fish show? Come in. You can feel good. Uh, you can feel good. This is from the, the Harry Hood song. You can feel good, good, good about hood. This is legitimately the slogan for Hood Milk, a dairy farm based in Vermont. Uh, the, one of the first uh, examples of corporate, uh, corporate branding and rock music. Jamel, your favorite lyric from the Electric Circus album by Common. Oh, from Electric Circus? Oh, sh- Oh, no, it could just be Common. It could just be Common. Well, I was just saying in Common because he said, I used to love her, but now I bone her. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's not, yeah, he just, he said that way later. He is referring to having sex with rap music. Uh, folks, let's go to the voting. Here's our runoff. Zuri, you're picking, you're picking between uh, Common's classic lyric, I used to love her, but now I bone her, or Elijah from the end of Harry Hood. Uh, you can feel good, good, good about Hood. Hood, again, is a brand of, of milk from, uh, from Vermont. Uh, votes are coming in now. Here comes the here comes the vice president. They are walking down the aisle. They are walking to the lectern, switching on the mic, looking around the room, making sure everyone in the Senate chamber is assembled and ready for their judgment. And now the judgment of the vice president is okay. Um, I really don't want to pick a winner here. I don't like either of these. But um, Elijah's, <laughs> Elijah's just sounds like a statement. It just sounds like an opening sentence to like a boring essay. So I'm going to go with Jamel to advance and we're going to, we're going to eliminate Elijah here. Elijah, I love you, man, but um, I don't like that lyric. So Jamel, you're on to the the final round. Wow, man. Fish lyrics. It's tough. He was working from a disadvantage early on and we move on folks. We move on to our final round and how exciting it is to get to the finals of this edition. The first edition of summer 2022 take survivor Disney and Pixar's Lightyear, telling the story of of, of uh, Buzz Lightyear, the prequel story of Buzz Lightyear and how he became uh, the astronaut we all know and love, uh, has opened in theaters. Which brings us to the following question for the final of Take Survivor. What is the greatest toy, the greatest toy of all time? Uh, Legos, we're talking Legos, we're talking G.I. Joes, we're talking Barbie, we're talking the little that little oven where you put the fake cakes inside and it cooked it with a light bulb. What, I forget what that one was called. What is the greatest toy of all time? Caroline, we will start with you. What's the greatest toy of all time? So I'm going to say it's the Boppet because I kind of feel like that the Boppet like is the source of all of America's anxiety. Mm. Like I think my anxiety stemmed from mm. the Boppet because it was like you're twisting it, you're pulling it, you're bopping it. And it was just like the most stressful uh, game, but it kind of helped me like deal with my anxiety later in life. This is a really serious answer, but I really love the Boppet and I think we should bring it back. Explain to the people how the Boppet works. So it was just this like, contraption that would just yell at you to bop it, 
pull it, tap it, or I don't know. And you had to like do it really quick and they would switch up the order. And it was so stressful and you really had to be on your toes. And that's why I think I'm really good at public speaking now. Right. I, I, I would describe it as like, it's like Simon Says if you played Simon Says with a futuristic dildo. Yeah, it's got a little um, Hitachi element to it for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, I love that answer. Jamel, let's go to you. What's the greatest toy of all time? The greatest toy of all time is the spinning top, Jason. Ooh. Top hat mode. I remain in top hat Whoa. mode and I will stay in top hat mode. This this dumbass toy is just spinning around and you just look at it. You can't do much with it, but it has withstood the test of time. Oh, you thought tops were dead? You ever heard of a Beyblade? You got any nieces? You got any nephews? That's a fucking top, my boy. Oh, what's a fidget spinner? It's a top, stupid. <laughs> It's just a thing. You know, it's just some shit you put on a string and it would just spin like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah, like a dreidel. Were you okay as a child? Like Probably a not. I don't think. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me in the middle of a <laughs> pretend game show. But uh, yeah, probably not. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the voting. It's some incredible answers here. And to remind everyone how this works here in the final round, we are voting for the winner. We're voting for the winner of the Take Survivor in the question... What's the greatest toy of all time? Of course, this is uh, inspired by Disney Pixar's Lightyear opening in theaters. Uh, shouts to Tim Allen, one of the greatest snitches of all time. Don't forget, he got arrested for cocaine trafficking and snitched out his entire crew, and that's why he's able to be out here with us voicing Buzz Lightyear in various Toy Story shows. Okay, who is the winner of Takes Survivor? Will it be CR who says, bop it, win it, vote for me. I am the winner with the answer of the Boppet. The Boppet, again, uh, basically, uh, Simon says, for a newfangled generation. Or will it be Jamel who says, let's take it back to, to ancient Roman times. Let's take it back to biblical times. Let's take it back to a toy that they found in prehistoric sites all around the world. I'm talking about the top. Take something, spin it, and watch it stay up. You watch the the end of Inception. You are, are a, of the Jewish culture. You've used tops. Everybody's used tops, fidget spinners, etc. All that stuff is a top. It's got staying power. We've been playing with it for thousands of years. Votes are coming in now. We've got one vote for Jamel. And we've got four votes for our winner, Caroline C.R. Reston. You have one take survivor. Caroline, what do you have to say? Pop it. Twist it. Oh my God, I'm so happy to have this moment because last time it was robbed from me. Um, thank you so much to everyone who voted. I see all of you and um, I can't get you out of my head. La la la. Bye. Thank you. And that has been it for a summer 2022 edition of Take Survivor. See you next time. Bye. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode plus the finale. The season finale of my digital series, All Caps NBA, this Friday. Check it out. Bye. 
Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah de Alaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.